This is Coda Radio, episode 217 for August 8th, 2016. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Sitting here in Seattle, Washington, why, yes, I am Chris, and joining us from the East Coast every single week is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. You will be assimilated. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it I, I, in my uh, ever, ever ongoing strive for perfection. I will once join the Borg. Mr. Dominic, we have a very fun show planned today. I'm not only am I excited about joining the collective, but there's a topic that you and I have been rattling around and kicking around and sort of dancing around, prancing, uh, as some may say, around. And today is the day we finally tackle that topic straight on. And that, of course, is the coming AI and bot revolution and to help us do that, we have brought on someone who knows a little on the topic. It's Mr. Ryan Sipes from Mycroft. Hello, Ryan. It's alive. <laughs> Excellent. It's coming. <laughs> well, guys, I'm really looking forward to today's show. So we have a bunch to get into. We're going to learn a lot more about Mycroft. We're going to hear Ryan's thoughts on what is obviously a huge, huge trend that's developing, something Mike's also been getting really excited about. So we have a ton to get into today. And I don't really have much to say right off the top other than... We do have a new duty here on the uh, Coder Radio program, and that is the Coding Challenge. So not only do we have a Coding Challenge to follow up on from last week, but with Ryan here, we're going to do a special themed Coding Challenge this week. There's a whole lot of challenge in our face, Mr. Dominic. So should we start with uh, episode 216's challenge, which I believe had a Jar Jar Binks bend to it? Yes, yes. Uh, and first, I should apologize. Last week, I failed to post the coding challenge in the subreddit, and people missed it and were upset. Sorry. But the winner, the eagle-eyed Jar Jar aficionado, and, and really, that's the thing. There are like Jar Jar aficionados. I don't, I don't believe you. I, I don't, I don't. I don't believe you. He is an excellent. I, I, if I could program a Mycroft-powered bot, I'm going to tell you right now, it would be <laughs> oh, no. Jar Jar Binks. No. Yes, and he would hunt you down with his tongue okay all right all right somehow i believe you we have this wonderful game created by rhino you know what i can't read that rhino sapien i'm gonna say rhino sapien rhino sapien all right it is one of those old-fashioned object dropping click games very simple but you are the goal of the game is to use jar jar's tongue his massive tongue (laughs) to eat all the apples and not eat the bombs. I mean, it's good. It's fantastic. That is really good. That's the winner. That's our winner right there. That's, That's our, winner. our winner. Hey, HTML5 good. open source. I love it. Hey, congratulations. Uh, a special congratulations uh, goes to uh, Rhino Craptor, I think is actually the title. Rhino, oh. Rhino, Rhino, Rhino Raptor. Rhino Raptor. Rhino Saraptor. I, I don't know. Rhino Saraptor. Ah, uh, I see what he did. Jar Jar's Feasts. Very nice. Jar Jar's Feast. That is a pretty great one. That's you know what I got I really got to give hats off to that. That's pretty great. Um, so th- now um, 
We kind of did a little uh, brainstorming before the show and thought, all right, so for next week's coding challenge, something maybe that uh, would be Mycroft-themed might be appropriate. Now, we, we kicked around different options, and uh, Ryan, I might, I might jump over to you, and you told me, you told me that uh, something that almost sounds like, uh, like right out of an MMO, but Mycroft has a skills system that might just be ripe for the picking for our next coding challenge. Sure. I think it would be really interesting if we just had a Mycroft skill-off. A skill-off. All right. What is a skill? A skill is like an application, so it adds to Mycroft's library of things that you oh, can do. Abilities. And, yeah, and so right now we have like a Cody skills that somebody can use to control their Cody box. Ooh. We have, uh, you know, a Phillips Hue skill. And we're right now we're in the process of pulling these all into a central repository where people can grab them and pull them down. But if you go to docs.mycroft.ai, so docs, like Google Docs or whatever, .mycroft.ai, you'll you'll see documentation on how to get started with Mycroft, and maybe we can come up with some skills. I don't know how you'll test that, Michael, other than people point you at their repos, or we could just have them maybe record a video or something or audio of them talking to Mycroft hmm. And, hmm. and have that happen. But also, uh, aside from that, you know, maybe to broaden it, for people who, who uh, you know, may not have, may have different talents, uh, we could broaden it to just be bots in general, you know, and have, have just a bot challenge to see if we can find the most interesting bot. Um, you talked about making it maybe Mycroft or Sherlock Holmes-esque. Uh, so uh, I'll let you define that a little more, Michael, because I don't really know. Like, you're really good at these challenges right up top, like, to what's seemingly wrapped up your head. So whatever weird twist you want to put on it. It's almost be... like I make them up as I go along. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. No, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, it would be great if you could do something powered by Mycroft, but I'm sure there's some limitations. Um, so uh, let me ask you this, Ryan. How limited would they be if they don't have a Mycroft device or a Mycroft capable system i mean what are the i mean we should take a step back and say what are the requirements to actually utilize mycroft a linux box and a, a linux box and a speaker and a mic yeah so it's just going to be mycroft powered then that's easy enough yeah because you could run like if you have example if you have ubuntu set up there's scripts to build the packages and uh, stuff you need plus on the doc site all the all like the packages you need to install such as python or anything like that are are listed with commands to install it all just with app git from the website and then including adding the repo and whatnot. So well, and, it looks pretty And I get ten bucks for every system seventy six we sell. So. so yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, can I get that deal? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> uh, so also, it's you can use Docker. I would assume, Ryan. Are there any images to get this going right away with Docker yet? Yeah, there there should be a Docker image. I there constantly adding to it so i'm not sure it's been a while since i've tried mm. it but the last time i tried it, it worked just fine i would so. i floated an idea that's totally self-serving as an example skill that would be great for mycroft to have and that would be something like mycroft play jblive.fm and have it play <laughs> the live stream so you could listen to Coda radio through uh now could you set something you could set something up like someone, that use, using the mic jupiter broadcasting skill yeah uh, Someone already made that. Oh, oh really? Oh, well, they, hey. <laughs> I'll have to track it down and send it to you. Maybe we can get it in the show notes. So you can, like, somebody... yes, yeah, absolutely. So you could listen to, is the idea you can listen to shows? Uh, via... Yeah, you can just say, play Coda Radio, and it will play the most recent Coda Radio. That's, that's awesome. fantastic. That really is. That's what, now, this is why Mycroft needs to be the dominant uh, AI assistant. 
So there you yeah. go. So something something with a strong bot connection, ideally, really Mycroft related. Michael, you want to do you want to draw that line? And if it, you know, if we, people need a little extra time, we could always we could always go for two weeks with this particular challenge and give people a little extra time if we feel like it's necessary. Yeah, I, I think I mean, I I've, I think it would be good to give them a little extra time. It's kind of new. My only concern with Mycroft only is that it does re- well. It doesn't require the Mike Ryan. Could they do text entry? Uh, they can do text entry. They can. There's a CLI interface. Well, there you so. go. There you go. I've been your query too, but the it looks like somebody posted uh, the Mycroft Jupiter uh, Broadcasting skill. Oh, I'll grab that for the show notes. So that could be an example people could look at. Oh, there we go. So there's even some starting example code for you, chat room and audience at home. There's a big and there we have a we have a Slack channel and you know uh, forums for people who want to ask questions and get involved. Uh, so yeah, okay. it, it would be a fun thing to I think have the community see what we come up with. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I, I think we give them two weeks because it is a little bigger challenge, and we, uh, yeah, and we. So in two weeks from now, we'll we'll see what kind of Mycroft bots show up. Very cool, boy. That's I can't wait to play around with that. So uh, I know it's probably there's got to be some people listening who don't have any idea what Mycroft is and why we keep talking about it. So I'll close out the coding challenge. There we go. The links for the J uh, Jupiter Broadcasting skill are in the show notes. That closes out the Coder Coda Radio Challenge. Before we get into uh, what the shenanigans Mycroft is and why we keep talking about it, uh, which is probably maybe a good place to start before we start talking about the whole technology stack and all of that, I'm going to mention Linux Academy right here at the top. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is your destination to support this show. The technology around Linux and the core essentials itself really go in-depth with AWS, OpenStack, Azure, Linux, the entire technology stack, things built around like Nginx, Apache, and, of course, the database backends, the different languages you can use. What's really unique about Linux Academy, though, is the combination and integration of downloadable comprehensive study guides, labs that spin up when you need them with SSH access, being able to choose your own distribution to modify the labs and the study guides, instructor mentoring available when you need it, forkable study cards, availability planners that match your schedule, and a great, great community. On top of all of those things, a great price. That's extre- when you look at the cost of education, Linux Academy really stacks up competitively. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you want to go to support the show, to take advantage of all the features, the content they're constantly improving and adding on. If you need to focus on search, they've got great courseware for that. If you want to really get hands-on experience so you walk away knowing how to work with something in a production environment, they've got labs and exercises that are perfect for that. Study tools to help when you need to. iOS and Android apps if you want to relax and study on the couch. I think it's a pretty great service, and I'm really glad they're here to support the Coda Radio program because you can also get started developing by using some of the courseware at Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go check them out, sign up, and support this show, and train your mind. Expand it. You might not have artificial intelligence, but as long as we got those bio meat sacks up there, you can still program them this way. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. So, uh, Ryan, do you want uh, – I could play the Mycroft video that uh, kind of sets up Mycroft, or do you have a, p- a quick pitch? Yeah, I, I don't mind either way, actually. Whatever works for you. So, Mycroft is uh, an open source uh, version of Echo or Cortana or Siri. The idea is this personal assistant um, that you can converse with and uh, – have it return natural and a natural language response. And you can do this via voice or, like I said earlier, via 
you know, a command line prompt or other people are coming up with different front ends for interacting with it. So, so you could imagine, like, just having in a dashboard, like the GNOME dashboard, for instance, like somebody just typing in a question and having it pop up, you know, there uh, in the in the dashboard. So the idea is kind of to ensure that anyone who wants to have access to this technology doesn't have to be tied to some big proprietary, you know, company like Google or Amazon or uh, Microsoft. It's interesting because uh, the open source aspect of it seems to be a key competitive differentiator uh, for Mycroft because that's one thing that you always have going for it over the other solutions is the extensibility of this. Um, how difficult that has that been, though? Has that been limiting in the sense of core, integrating core technologies like perhaps speech synthesis? Like, you know, you can't just go license Nuance or something like that because of the budget and licensing restrictions. So is that is that been limiting at all for you guys? Um, it's, it's been a, it's been something entirely different, I think, than what the typical, uh, so we, we've been kind of, because we sold the units through Kickstarter, we've had to act as a company as well, you know, not just a software project. And so we've, we've gone, I think, a different way than a lot of similar startups because, we have this connection to the open source community and we've had to make sure that we respect that ethos. And uh, so there there are limiting factors there, but at the end of the day, we've also got way more attention and way more code contribution because we're open source. You know, Otherwise, we would just have the resources that we have in-house to accomplish this task. And, and I think given the task we're trying to accomplish, that it... Uh, it would be impossible to do that without without this approach that we've taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I think that it's been a net good. I think that a lot of the opportunities we've gotten have been because of us taking that approach and respecting that community. And so uh, I wouldn't say that there's been anything too limiting about it. Uh, we are talking about ways to allow... Um, people who are submitting third-party skills to be able to do so uh, and not necessarily have their skill be under the same licensing. But that's about the most limiting things have gotten, and I think that there's there are ways to do that that still respect the open-source nature of the project. Hmm. Hmm. So, so what is the uh, software license you guys are using? So the Mycroft Core uh, is licensed under the GPL version 3, and then... Okay. The intent parser is licensed under the LGPL, and so okay. uh, we we have looked at um, possibly including an exception in the GPL uh, uh, on the Mycroft Core in order to allow people to submit skills that aren't under the same license. Um, and obviously, that's a com- that's a conversation that we're going to have with the community. It's something that we're likely going to talk about this week uh, on on our blog and on our community website uh, and see what their thoughts and feedback are. Um, really, uh, I keep getting distracted by the chat because I think that I think that people have a misunderstanding of Mycroft even still hmm. that, that there are there is I, I saw in the chat that you know there are people who 
who are upset that the speech to text um, part of it is is a third party, you know, that you can plug in whatever you want. Like we, if you just install Mycroft today and you use it without making any settings changes, like uh, you're using Google speech to text in order to do the speech to text part. And we have an initiative called Open Speech to Text or Open STT, where we're trying to replace that piece. But but uh, that's if you talked about limitations and problems that we're coming up against. That's the type of thing that we come up against is that in some cases the open source solution isn't quite there yet. The open source, like in this case, we need an open model or a model, a speech to text model that's trained to you know understand <laughs> the speech and translate it to text. And uh, unfortunately, the there aren't many good models that are open under like a Creative Commons license at that point yet. So we're leading an effort to do that. Hmm. But um, but the the thing is is that uh, I still think it's the tools we're providing are really powerful and help move the community uh, forward in it and prevent them from sure. having to. Is the um, so will the speech so is the speech detection system pluggable? Will it always be pluggable? Could I in the future plug in like if I decided I wanted to go if nuance made it possible for a consumer like me to buy a buy an API key and plug it into Minecraft? I could use nuance because I thought it was better than Google. Is that something that's down the road? I mean, that almost seems like a benefit in some ways that I have a choice because myself, I find I don't find Google's speech recognition to be nearly as accurate as nuances, and I would love to be able to have different options. Yeah, you can use you can use whatever backend you want right now. Uh, there's a setting in the config file to change change out to whatever you want. Uh, we we right now, if you download the software, there are some defaults set so that you don't just get you don't have to spend the next hour in a setting. Is that, that a is that a thing that niggles at you though? That you have a consumer base that has a certain expectation that the entire stack be licensed in a certain way. And at the same time, you're like, yes, but we can't actually accomplish what it is you want us to do with that stack. And do, how do you avoid building up resentment for the fact that they're they're, they're just not getting it? They're just because <laughs> really, I've, I as a, trust me, as the host of the Linux Action Show, this is something I have faced for a decade now, and it's like something that's really hard to communicate because you have a bunch of armchair technologists who think they're experts on everything but have never actually tried any of this stuff in production or built something like this before. And so they have opinions on how it should be and how it should work, and you have the realities of delivering on what you've promised and what the expectations of end users and what the competitors are, are setting. So is this a conflict that has been challenging for you? Because one of the things we talk about sometimes on this show, to be totally honest with you, Ryan, as you probably know, is – once you're an open source project, a lot of this shit's out in the open and it's, now it's stuff that people have to look at that if you were a closed off private application that was doing some VC funding and then launched something like a hardware device like this onto the market, totally ready to go, productized, this is not a problem you would have to be dealing with right now. Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a frustrating thing. I think, that, uh, I think that sometimes we get a lot more criticism than than uh, than some of our <laughs> proprietary competitors from people who yeah. who want who want they say that they want you know an open source solution but uh, I've had somebody in a in the Linux Reddit say that they 
they were going to use an echo because our because you know our speech to text used uh, you we were using Google speech to text mm. by default, and that that was just like what what are okay. you talking about like, yeah. yeah 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 I I mean I just looked at your Indiegogo page and I just ordered one <laughs> so there you go you made a sale add a boy yeah it, it, it's a pretty compelling idea. It doesn't look like you guys are really being hampered by this uh, licensing issue, though. I mean, you're way well above your target, or your stated target, at least. And you do have an active open source project to develop a speech to text right. system. Yeah. So yeah, no, it hasn't hindered us. It's just you when we when it, it is frustrating. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. really care for the conversation to go this way, but you yeah. know, when I get it, get uh, on this stuff and I see, you know, people. Uh, it is kind of I, the reason why I bring it up, Ryan, is because I think the solution is for the open source community consumer to uh, to behave better. I think the so the, you're not doing anything wrong. You're trying to build something, uh, and this is the process of sometimes how you build something. And and the other thing is is what really gets me is the technology is not set in stone. Things change, and there is time for things to improve. There's so you get something working, you get it established, and either you go back and you improve on these things. Uh, and I just oh, I put it out there uh, as just because there are people in our audience that maybe have could reflect on it because I feel like it's something that is maybe oh, undue Chris. pressure oh, on Chris. open source projects. Ryan, I'm just going to bail you guys out. This doesn't matter. If you care about this, you're stupid. So I don't know it, if I agree just, because I think it drags down some so projects. Dumb. If you want something built for free in the open and then you're going to – Yes, I agree on this. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this is not a productive conversation. All right, so yeah. let's let's. I don't know. I I guess I I will. Circ- Go ahead. Sorry. I'll just say this. I'll circle back to it in a different venue because I feel like there is something yeah. here that is that puts undue undue pressure on some projects. But I actually don't think in the in the grand scope of things, it really does matter as much as I agree. Really, with you. It doesn't matter at all. So so so, so Ryan, we'll tell me what's the stack here? Because I'm looking at this page. Uh, I see Tux. He's looking beautiful. I see. Is that a Raspberry Pi logo? Yeah. Yeah. There, okay, so, the, the unit itself has a Raspberry. the The unit, the hardware that we uh, are selling on through Indiegogo, has a Raspberry Pi that powers it. And then we have a soundboard that we've created, okay, and a front plate that that make up the rest of the device. And then it's all in one big. And it print. could run on it could run on anything really, right? It doesn't. I mean, the Raspberry Pi is sort of the perfect product for something like this. But I could put it on my laptop as well. The whole stack. Yeah, yeah. I would say that probably fifty percent of the time I use it is on my. Is on my laptop, and there are some things it does on the laptop that are hmm. unique, like launches applications, can search YouTube, and pull up a website or pull up a video you know, yeah. on the browser, and things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, we encourage people to to use it on on their uh, Linux machines as well, uh, on their Linux desktops. And there are some desktop uh, apps that people are creating. There's an Electron app, and maybe the chat room will help me out as I talk about these. There's an Electron right. front end. There's a GNOME extension front end. There's a Plasma front end. I love it. Uh, I'm sure there are others. Um, but a Windows there. 10 front no. <laughs> yeah, but I, some, I somehow doubt that Electron. <laughs> uh, okay, so I mean, this is going to be pretty thick for us here. But walk me through software-wise. What is inside of this? I mean, from from the very basic twenty thousand feet in the air, like. You know, our one question we often get when we talk about a project is, what language is it? What platform is it? What do I need to develop with it? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of the components are written in Python. Um, oh, there are there are a few 
different components that make up what you ultimately would come to consider my crop. Okay. And so uh, they break down into three different components that are pretty easy to understand. There's the adapt intent parser, which is what looks up. Oh, yeah, you've got the page pulled up there. There's the adapt, there's the adapt intent parser, which looks at the uh, looks at what you're saying, as, so a phrase, and breaks it down into what it is that you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to interact with. So the easiest way I've found to explain this is if uh, Valley Girl says, "Hey, Mycroft, could you like totally like turn off the lights in the living room?" <laughs> it's not going to really worry about trying to understand every single part of that sentence. What it's going to do is it's going to break it down to look at specific keywords, so turn off mm-hmm. the light, living room, right. and take an action. You have, a, you have an example on the site that says, the user might say, turn on Pandora, or play Pandora, or put right. on that uh, you know, certain Pandora station, and the Adapt Engine takes the input that's natural language and feeds the, app, the, the destination application basically a JSON data structure. Yeah, yeah, and, you, and you've got it pulled up there, and that's a, it, you can really see exactly how it pans it off to the next piece, which would be a, the skill in Mycroft Core, that would would take what you what it gets from the JSON and decide then what what to what action to take, what needs to happen. So, is the architecture that the the input? So, in this case, the Valley Girl's very strange way to turn off a light. Does that that goes into the Adapt Parser? which then parses it, creates this JSON hash, sends it to the uh, Mycroft Core, you said? Yes. Is it then Mycroft Core? What's going on in Core? Are there a bunch of like integrations? Like, Is that where the integration to, in your case, Pandora? Or I'm assuming I could integrate whatever I want, right? Correct. Yeah, that's okay. where these apps are, these skills. And Got what you. It, is it is it takes that JSON and it looks for the first skill that says, hey, this is me. And then and we have a vocabulary associated with each skill so you okay so it's, it's very similar to like a siri type api the, the applications can say i handle this sort of content and my name is this um and then the core system just hands it off is that correct okay. yeah mm-hmm. and then then from there that that custom written application or skill takes it and and does something with it whether it's interacting with an api or you know running a specific command on a linux box or whatever that's that's where it goes from there. And then finally, there's the text-to-speech layer, which doesn't always have to happen, but, you know, in the case of the unit, you want some kind of feedback, like, where it says or it says something like, hey, I, I putting on Pandora and then plays Pandora sure. or, you know, and that's and that's called Mimic. Hmm. Okay, so wait, so Mimic, uh, Mimic is, is, that's what allows me to use a command line type interface to a Mycroft to issue a text command to it? No, mimic okay. is just the text to speech. So it. Oh, it oh, it's just okay. Gotcha, gotcha. The <clears throat> speech. Uh, before that, before you ever get started, of course, is a speech to text layer. But of course, you have the ability to enter it mm-hmm. in, hmm. in, you know, be it just text. But the the speech to text is uh, right now. You know, we we use third party speech to text services, but we yeah. have open speech to text, which is a big big project. Yes. It requires you, machine learning <laughs> and uh, and lots and lots of data huh. in order to accomplish it. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, it, it makes tons of sense to leverage the existing stuff. So, I, I, just another curiosity. I, so, I did just order that cute little box. <laughs> as you know, I'm totally selfish on the air. 
does the Mycroft system, for the lack of a better term, understand state? And what I mean by that is, let's say I have my Raytel in front of me. Let's say I were to install Mycroft on the Raytel. The box comes in, I put it in the other room, mm-hmm. and, I, and I tell the box, or rather I tell the Raytel, go ahead and play, you know, Katy Perry, which is a command I would totally issue. Mm-hmm. I go into the other room, can I tell it, will... Will it, be, will it know where you're at? In the, right. Does it understand state between the two units? Or like or if you – would, would the same question apply? Like if you set up a nickname on one, is it shared in the yes. other? Or is, yeah. 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 Are they are they networked? So they they are networked. We've been we've been working really hard on the back end to tie those things together. Uh, there, That's a – that this is something that, that people don't like to hear, but that's a, that's a long-term project and okay. it takes, you know – no, it's a, a lot hard of problem. Work. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. yes, the idea is to have is to have the ability for not only for these machines to communicate with one another, these instances of Mycroft, but to be able to communicate with each other intelligently so that if you have two Mycrofts that can both hear you. Mm-hmm. Right. At the same Which time. Which one fires it, off? <laughs> yeah. You, uh, hopefully, it, you know, we'll be able to accomplish the ability for them. Well, to, Google and Apple haven't gotten that working yet, so. Yeah, uh, Amazon did though, right? I mean, so so this is interesting because uh, it sounds like, and and believe me, I will put you to the test uh, once I get it. That this is actually going to be significantly better than, let's say, Siri, right? In terms of knowing what I'm talking about. The, I mean, it it just depends. A lot of it's based on you know the skill availability. Like if the if you if the more community engagement we get the more people writing skills that handle specific i see you know uh things that's that's going to make it a lot better so Uh, so hence the coding challenge uh so what is just what's the intelligence part of all this where does intelligence come in because so far what it sounds like is a series of structured commands and you know i issue a command that obviously matches up with pandora uh, pandora because of the words that i used and so then it launches and connects to pandora um is that I would, but that's not the that's not what's artificial and intelligent about this. Yeah, so there there are machine learning projects that we've begun to undertake, and if you jump into our our uh, uh, chat, you can begin to engage in those conversations. We're trying to we're working on some early stages of trying to use mach, machine learning in order to train a model to understand you know, intent better than just us writing what we think is every single uh, possible, mm-hmm. you know, vocabulary you might use for a skill. Yeah. Um, so so this is something where from the beginning we talked about machine learning and trying to get to a place where people are able to actually use a lot of the tools that are available now to create uh, what we would say, I guess, intelligent uh, skills for Mycroft and intelligent. Uh, there's there are so many components to this, and it's such a big project that mm-hmm. that without doing it this way, we're going to fall behind anyway. So uh, I think the open source community needs projects like this right now that are kind of exposing them to some of these tools and the. Right, there's a simple approach that we have right now, but we have some projects underway in our community that they're going to be adding layers on top of this that expose them to to more uh, 
what you would consider machine learning or artificial intelligence. Yeah, because that to me seems to be a massive – it almost feels like the difference between um, a small country and a large country. Like there's Google – when you look at Google's machine learning capability and the amount of input and data they have to parse from everything from speech to how, how uh, people input and interact, it, how do you – how do you ever have – how can an open source project ever hope to compete with something at that scale? Because it's it's literally what they do. Yeah, it's the only way is to to have a big, vibrant community that's contributing. I mean, athletes. big might be an understatement. Yeah. the Fortunately, there are a lot of really intelligent people who are – who come into our community who are using uh, – mm-hmm. you know, who are who are – not able to apply their ideas to this this type of project every I've, day. I've been surprised too. Like you, some of the some of the people you've worked with too. It appears there are there is already a lot of effort and energy sort of going in this direction. So it's not like Mycroft just came along and all of a sudden said, "Hey, this is something we could use." This is something that's all you guys are taking part in something that's sort of a trend that's growing, right? Is that true? Correct. Good. Like I this, hope so. This is just a there's our there were tools like Mimic is is uh, mm-hmm. a fork of Flight, which was a tool that that was being made at Carnegie Mellon University, but it just wasn't getting that many contributions, and so we decided and they they weren't really necessarily um, engaging you know actively with the community, so we went ahead and and uh, and forked that and tried to build a community around it. We built a fairly active community around that project, and we've We've hoped to take take these tools, expose them, you know, some of the tools we rely on, expose them, and get more people interested in in contributing to this this area. And so the the whether or not we whether or not it's it's us, you know, we don't necessarily need to rule the world or anything as far as <laughs> you know getting being the most popular. Uh, personal assistant, you know, but we would like to to promote the technology that enables people to use this in their project. Use have voice interaction, have yeah. you know this type of yeah. Type. I, I I imagine like the intent parser and all that could. In fact, uh, Mr. Dominic, would this be a good time to transition to discussing bots and AI, or do you have any more questions regarding the core technology? So yeah, my maybe it would. Be more in the next segment, but how does one get started developing one of these uh, these skills or these apps for Mycroft? So I would I would recommend to, to read through the docs and then okay sure the, RTFM the, and then on the contributing page like jump in and just and just engage with our awesome community and ask you know like hey this is what I'm trying to do can is any do you guys have some feedback to get started and usually you know a few people in the community will say like. Yes, let me let me help you get started and let me help you, you know, learn how to use the system. Uh, there's there's you can read through the docs a hundred times for any project, but until you actually start engaging in the community, yeah. it's a, it's pretty hard to get involved and to get, hit the ground running. Um, so, just to clarify real quick, you said contribute. So, are these skills not self-contained? Meaning. Does these like on a on a very basic dumb level, right? Does the source code actually go into like some sort of Mycroft shared repo or how does that all work? Hmm. So that's, that's something that we're actually discussing right now. Like the, 
right now, the core, there are some core skills that live in Minecraft Core, and then there are a, quite a lot of skills that have been written that don't live in Minecraft Core, and okay. we're we're starting to create a repository so that people will be able to easily download and install those third party skills. So everybody can get the JB Live streaming skill. Yeah, and right. <laughs> and we found it we found it inappropriate to, of course, load. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris, but we we decided not to force everybody to install the JB Live. Uh, <laughs> not everybody's perfect, uh, Ryan. It's okay. Yeah, but uh-huh. but hopefully it will. Hopefully, in the very near future, we'll have an easy way for people to just one-click install these third-party skills, and then so, have them mm-hmm. running so this up. is interesting though, and, and it just kind of to segue into the next topic. I, I've been doing a little bit of work with the, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with this, Ryan, the Microsoft Bot Framework, the Node.js version of it, right? Because I just won't install a Windows box. Um, what's weird, or what not weird, but what's different there is your bot, in quotes, is actually a web service, right? Your bot lives, I mean, mm. ideally your bot lives on a server. In my case, it's a droplet. What, um, that doesn't sound like it's the case with Mycroft, unless I'm totally missing something. No, I mean, it. you could run it on a droplet if you really wanted to, but the, but right now, We've tried to keep as much on the I, client. Yeah, on the client okay. side. No, that makes more. Uh, to be mm. honest, that makes more sense because one thing I'm always concerned about is obviously latency, right? Mm. Having to hit a web service to do anything is kind of. But you know, that's... once they once down the road, if Mycroft could be networked up, uh, there could be some sort of appeal to having like a Mycroft mind in the cloud. <laughs> I could really like that uh, if, if it was yeah. if everything shared. If I had local clients too, and it shared state. Yeah. We oh. talked about. We've talked about um, creating some tools to allow people to load the Mycroft core on like a DigitalOcean droplet and then have little really, <laughs> really dumb clients that just essentially pass on, you know, what when they get the code, when they get the keyword back to the the brain, you know. And, hmm. and wow. Just as... Yeah, just act as kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> and then so, I can just, so, that's really yeah. something. So let me ask you, is that, a, you know, the, more of the client-side focus, is that something that you feel is important? Well, yeah, the, the thing is, when we first started, people have to remember that this was just a project that we wanted to pursue. You know, it was, it, we were just wanted to see what we could make and what we could create and what we could give to the world, kind of. Because what we said from the beginning is, you know, regardless of whether or not our Kickstarter raises any money, regardless of what happens, like, we just want to leave a really cool project to the world. And uh, and that's kind of come to fruition, regardless of, you know, hmm. what happens in the future. But the... the since Since the beginning, it's kind of grown <laughs> and mm. uh at the beginning we just we just had this idea of this client that you could communicate with and over time the community has exposed us to more to more ideas around what else we could do and and so uh we've been kind of playing around in our mind like is it always best to have all this client side or or are there situations where you want an API and this to live, you know, on a droplet or on a VPS somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So let me ask uh, kind of philosophically, where do you fall on that equation? Because it's something I'm 
very much struggling with. I think it depends on the use case. I think I'd love to see the smallest possible device able to mm-hmm. interact with you via voice, and I don't think that there's always a compute tower there. I yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I can give you a use case all, I, for us. Um, the use case for server side would be um, JBot right now runs on a droplet and um, is participates in our chat room via a droplet and. Obviously, if we could make JBot even savvier with some sort of Mycroft wizardry on the back end, even if it was improving intent understanding or uh, better calculating, you know, in real time going out there and connecting to other services and pulling that information in and displayed in the chat room, I absolutely would run that on a droplet. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think the great thing is that, that we've made it so modular and uses like message buses between the different services that run in order to communicate. And so there's there's multiple different hybrid setups I could see as well as like almost completely off device and then right because I have like, to have a local client here to issue the start show command to Mycroft to send it up to the droplet <laughs> right and so and and we did that purposely and I and I think that that uh, I think that people who spend some time with the project and look at how it's set up will realize that 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 it's kind of a choose your own adventure <laughs> type of thing where <laughs> if you really want everything to run locally, you could figure that out. If you want everything to run remotely, you could figure that out as well. Mm-hmm. And right, right now we're pursuing um, a more local approach. Okay. But I, I do see specific use cases where, at, where you might want things to run. So like it's offsite. And so it seems like it just seems like again this is part of a roadmap of an ongoing project that you accomplish things and you build on top and you build on top of that. Why don't we why don't we hit the pause button uh, right here and mention DigitalOcean since we've been name dropping them for a bit so this seems like the best spot to mention digitalocean.com and use the promo code coder digital apply that to your account and you'll get a $10 credit. Now what's great about that is it's $5 for the basic rig but for example like here at JB we just spin up the uh, rigs when we need them. The uh, SATCOM 2 is a perfect example. To stream to YouTube, we just turn that server on when we need to stream to YouTube, and when the live show's over, I turn it off. So I only pay by the hour. Three cents an hour is a great price when you use the promo code Coder Digital because that'll give you a ten dollar ten dollar credit. To, you know, heck, go go deploy Minecraft on a DigitalOcean droplet and tell us all about it. They have a great UI. They have data centers all over the world, and for their unbelievable price of five dollars a month, you can get five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM, a twenty gigabyte SSD, one CPU and a terabyte of transfer. Plus, their API makes it possible to interact with things like bots, just like our own JBot does, or tons of great open-source code that is already written. They have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, and even India. And they've got great, great documentation, too, to help you take it up to the next level. Great stuff. I mean, everything from Let's Encrypt, integrating that with your uh, web server of choice, to deploying the new block storage on DigitalOcean, PostgreSQL, Docker Compose, all Really useful. DigitalOcean.com. Just use our promo code, Coder Digital. It's one word. You apply it to your account and you get a $10 credit at DigitalOcean.com. So, you guys want to talk about bots? Because I do. I'm ready. I'm ready. Domo. Domo. My body's ready. <laughs> My body's ready for bots. So, well, I, guess, I guess I wanted to start by. Uh, there's been some gimmicks in the computer industry for a while, and sometimes some of the you know artificial like started with Clippy. That's the famous one. There's there's been a lot of there's been a lot of flops uh, and gimmicks. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
You like did Clippy? You just, did you just denigrate Clippy? I'm sorry. Uh, you're right. We won't. We won't. How about instead of Clippy, let's let's talk about Sherlock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think I think. But bots actually feel like there's something here. I'll tell you. I I I I recently just had my first te- tech support experience with a Telegram bot. I had to talk to Telegram tech support, and it's and once I requested support, it initiated a bot chat with me. And it was actually a very pleasant experience. And they even made it possible. So instead of me having to type back my response, they gave me a menu of options to choose. They're all natural language too. Um, and we use JBot. You know, I, I very much sort of naturally tell JBot to start streaming in a way that's not like a traditional command. Uh, and IRC bots have been around for a long time. But it feels like this is something that is actually grabbing hold. And, and if you look outside the U.S., bot interaction with chat programs is a is a – is as a bonanza. So it does seem like if you can make these things more useful, a little smarter, and maybe in some cases under your control, there really could be something here. Am I wrong? Guys, what do you think? There's some smoke. You first, Ryan. Ryan, I think it's muted. Yeah. There you go. So there, just to back up, I just wanted to ask, I see you're making a podcast. Would you like help with that? <laughs> but uh, it was there, good intentions, damn it. Yeah, there's there. I think it's just a natural way things had to progress. Just thinking about like what what's been capable, what we've been capable of in the history of like artificial intelligence, quote unquote. Mm. And, you know, we're finally at a point where we can actually, whether it's wrong or not, like uh, use deep learning and machine learning and and uh, kind of all this data that these, especially big companies, are getting back in order to create really intelligent, really great experiences. And the the way that they expose them are through these interactions that look a lot like how people interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how did you say you had a good experience with the telegram? Bot? I actually did. Yeah. I thought it went, I thought it went pretty smooth. I did. It went, it was very fast and efficient and the problem was resolved. So I, I walked away going, that actually was a pretty pleasing experience. The, uh, I, I also have had, um, I, I've tried a couple bots on Facebook messenger of all things. Yeah. Um, mostly because I was reading all these articles about mm-hmm. them. And, yeah. And, I, I got to say, I'm not a big fan of Facebook Messenger, but that <laughs> seems to be where a lot of them are at. So I was like, all right, I'll try a couple. Um, I had a really positive experience as well. Um, I was actually really, really impressed. Uh, one of them was a, a finance bot who uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the bot, um, but you... It, it, they have a partnership with U.S. Bank, and I have a U.S. Bank account, and they, and so you know, you push a couple buttons, and then and then you can talk about your account with this bot, and it says like, oh hey, uh, I noticed you have a subscription to this. Are you still using that subscription? Uh, mm. like, um, I guess no, not really. And then it's like, well, would you like me to cancel that for you? Oh, even better. That's even that's yeah. useful for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, actually, yes, I would because that's why sometimes I have subscriptions longer than I want yeah, them. Yeah, they make it hard <laughs> to cancel. Yeah, and so and so then like it took a little bit, but like 
five minutes later it was like okay it's canceled and i was like that that was really awesome like that that was the first time you know that i i was Hmm. that makes that's actually like a real world impact too because that's going to save you a little bit of money yeah and and that's what the whole point of the that bot was just to look through your stuff and be like I notice that you go and you spend this much money. Jeez, that's creepy. Have Facebook having that though? It is. It is creepy, but at the same time, it's there. There is a value to it. You know, who? What would it talk for? What would it take for you to hire a professional to go through your finances like that? Four hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. And 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 what would you have to pay somebody to go and cancel? You know, subscription. An hourly rate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's true. I was super happy by that use case because it, I was like, I was like, I these are things that first off I'm busy, like I'm perpetually busy all the time, and and people say that, but like the I I when I have any downtime at all, like the it it doesn't last long. Like if mm-hmm. there's a blank spot on my calendar, it's gonna get filled. Right. And so to be able to just text this bot, like I would text my wife or anybody else like real quick i can do it in between like when right because you're doing it from it. the messenger app so you don't have to, you're not locked to your desk while this is happening you can walk around and get notification when it's done yeah exactly that was so so powerful and it's and it really is a personal assistant you know and uh, i don't know about like one overarching bot to rule them all like <laughs> there there are people who are trying stuff like that like vive if you've seen that from the same guys who started mm-hmm. siri mm-hmm. yeah and things things like that um but this this these bots one for one that knows one domain really well and then another right. one knows another one that that kind of jives with me anyway because i i usually don't I don't talk to like my I, I wouldn't talk to my accountant about, you know, some monthly magazine <laughs> subscription or something, yeah. Yeah. And uh and so that was really powerful mm. and that was a great experience and that really opened my eyes to to other than just the thing I'm used to, which is this verbal communication with uh, essentially like a robot. Uh, this was a a, di- a totally different type of communication okay. and mm-hmm. yeah. In a totally different domain. The other one that I saw ha, uh, is a bot that challenges parking tickets. Have you guys seen that? No, I did see that. I thought that got shut down. Is it still? Around? Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's still around, but it 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 actually got it, uh, it overturned like twenty five thousand parking tickets. Oh, last time was, yeah, this was, and it was exposed through an app, right? Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a mobile app. Yes. Okay, I did hear about this. And that's another thing where. No one, no one would take the time. Not many people would take the time to go through that process. But when it's when you just have to answer a few questions, like <laughs> to have it challenge your parking ticket, like yeah, if it takes me like, you know, um, two minutes to go through and answer a couple questions, and I don't have to go through the. So it's for me. It's like you you get the ticket. You have to. Oh yeah. In case you have to mail it in, like all that's just time wasting. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, 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 I, 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 yeah. I, it's it's funny though because it's it's really the Internet of APIs, isn't it? That's really how this is all made possible. Is because there has to be some at some point there's some piece of software is talking to another piece of software, or somebody's getting a notification to make a phone call and then I guess type an answer back into a piece of software. But it really seems like this truly relies on an Internet of APIs, not an Internet of Things. 
yeah, so, I think, yeah, go go ahead. I think I think what we'll see, and I do I would I didn't believe this till I interacted with the bot that canceled a couple of subscriptions for me, is uh, I think we will see a a lot of people who are a lot of app developers who just start making bots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're dev- yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. That accomplish these tasks, and I think that the real possibility, uh, there's a real enormous m- monetary pot, like, uh, there's a, somebody's going to make a lot of money by making that process for app developers really, really easy. Mm-hmm. And, You're speaking my language. <laughs> and so, <laughs> the, uh, I think that, that making it just stupid simple for someone to create uh, an interaction with an API that looks like natural language, looks like a conversation, is mm. like the future of how you get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, and so this is interesting, right? Like Microsoft is trying to get you. They have, I don't know if you've looked at their tooling, like the bot connector tool, which there's a pseudo wizard style thing to connect with certain services, mainly theirs and Slack. Um, Facebook and Messenger has the same thing. But don't you think there's a place for like, and maybe Mycroft is the solution, some sort of, you know, let's think about like a butler bot, right, where where you have one bot that you mainly interface with that actually delegates tasks to, you know... Like a bot proxy? Other. Right, because I, you know, it, 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 your point about apps makes a lot of sense to me, but I would take it further. I You know, app downloads are going down precipitously now, right? People aren't downloading apps like they used to because you don't need 70 apps on your phone. Mm. I, I, I can't imagine that in five years you're going to want a specific bot for your banking. A specific, maybe for your banking is an exception because of security, but you know, are you going to want 20 bots or are you going to want to be able to talk to, say, Mycroft and have Mycroft just go talk to the Spotify skill or bot? See, and the other question I'd be, how do you, where is the line between a bot and, say, something like a, a script or a mm-hmm. Mycroft skill? I think the, the line is really blurry. I think yeah. what... What we like to think about as technologists is the technology behind an experience, but I think most people just care about the experience. And yeah. so if, if the experience is just is, put, is a good experience, but it is just a series of, you know, haphazardly put together scripts, like what does it matter if the person, if the person is accomplishing what they want to accomplish and it's all going great? So... But I think that, but I do think that there are going to be tools that 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 raise to the top that are that just make this really really easy and mm. and a good experience. And maybe that's Microsoft's bot, you know, connector, or maybe it surely it, is not. I can tell you that. <laughs> it was un, that was unnecessary. Face, Facebook uh, would like to be in that position, or Google would too, though. Well, but but they all suffer from. The, I mean, this is why I think Microsoft is actually. And I'm not just being nice to you because you're you're here. Um, you know, Facebook really wants you to be married to Facebook, right? Microsoft mm-hmm. is confusing in how they do things. Um, but I think part of that is it is a beta. But like Mycroft, to me, that, you know, give you guys another year or two, that looks like it's open. If I could get around having to GPL my source code, um, although I probably don't if I don't actually contribute it, that seems like something, right? Why, why couldn't Mycroft be that bot hub, so to speak? Ultimately, I don't think that there's a a reason why Mycroft or something like Mycroft shouldn't be 
Um, right. I think what what I worry about is all these bots that are that are beginning to exist on Facebook Messenger tie give it it's not beyond me that I had a conversation about my bank account mm-hmm. on Facebook Messenger with a bot. Right. In Facebook. Uh, right. Yeah. And yeah. and my wife my wife who has I guess I I finally rubbed off on her on my, you know, privacy uh, okay. conscious stuff because mm-hmm. she was like, "Are you really sure that you like the idea of having a conversation over Facebook, you know, Messenger about your bank account?" And I was like, "Well, I'm just playing with the technology, you know." But it's research, honey. But, yeah, but people, but pe- a lot of people won't even think about that and think about all the data that Facebook is gobbling up as a result of their interactions with these bots because you're like, Oh, it's, they've got to deal with my bank. Like that's that, that's safe, you know, like, and then, but then there's a third party that's kind of just sitting there, just scooping up all that data. That's a really tricky one though, because sometimes some of those companies like banks aren't going to be really willing to work with anybody, but a company that has the scale of a Facebook or a Facebook partner. Right. Exactly. So, there's <laughs> so I don't know I don't know what the answer is. I think I like the experience I've had with some of these bots. So I I I would say that from a from a just not thinking about my RMS proclivities sometimes. I, I see your DuckDuckGo shirt there, yeah. Yeah, I, not thinking about my RMS proclivities, I, I would say that I'm really excited about the technology. From yeah. It seems like these bots are fundamentally uh, taking, this, it's really what technology is best for, and that's taking some of the tedium away from humans and, and freeing us up to focus on other endeavors. And that's really what these bots do to some capacity, and they do it in a way that allows, that is approachable, I should say, from just about damn near anyone. Yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, I wrote a post called "Brutal Bots." I, I definitely um, where it talked about possible employment and economic impact of these bots on like low-level uh, clerical workers. Yeah. I, I think you're totally right, Ryan. That you know these bots are going to be a big deal. I just, you know, I, I I'm more happy trusting Mycroft than Facebook, mm-hmm. if only because you know. You guys are are limited in what you can do by the GPL, right? And when I say limited, you're both practically limited. Is if you did do something crazy, people would see it on GitHub, and I could read it on Hacker News, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean that that that's really where Facebook, you know, they've never been known for charity. They probably have crazy built in. You don't even know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the there are there are so many layers to this conversation too, because where there's an economic impact that you you touched on briefly. And that I can tell you from conversations that I've had with uh, a couple of executives <clears throat> at, at some businesses that that there are there are low-level information workers who are sooner rather than later going to be out of jobs because of of these bots. And oh, absolutely. I try not to make judgments on whether or not that's right or wrong because that's just how to, you can't stop the technology from progressing. Hmm. Hmm. But the but when you add in the speech to text and text to speech aspect of it, there's a lot of call centers. Sure. You know, where, where mm, wow. This, 
things are going to work their way in. There are a lot of <laughs> yeah, boy, it doesn't offset it, but there will also be new jobs created by people who are creating these bots. Because you think about yeah, this, that that's this, a lie, though. That's a lie. That, not going to be nearly as big, is it? Yeah, that's the manufacturing for right? all, all the old factory guys will move up. Yeah, and oh, be yeah. foremans. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I suppose so. But there will be. I think there will be probably for a while a bot rush. Yeah. Well. Right, it'll be about it'll be like the Apros, right? Yeah. Two thousand eight to probably. I would. It seems usually things work that way, but you can't always you can't always base future performance on past performance. But I, I find that to be probably a likely scenario if these bots really work out. The question is whether or not there are whether or not people. The question is whether or not some of the people who are displaced are going to gain those skills, and that's kind of more of like an mm. unfiltered topic. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, right. like the. The, but it, but it is, I guess it does fall into the business of programming. You know, well, the, the whole, yeah, the whole thing about, I mean, one thing I've been sort of secretly working on is a low-level customer service bot, right? Um, right? To like say, hey, your build went out. Oh, you didn't sign up your iOS device on Hockey App. Please don't call me about this. Go, you know, follow this link. Uh, much nicer than that, but in terms of the actual copy. But one thing I do think about is, you know, a lot of shops like mine employ entire departments of just like low level, let's say, you know, thirteen, fourteen dollar an hour customer service reps to do that very thing. That right. um frankly, in two years, I don't know that that job exists. Right. And that's a lot of folks. I mean that's that's a lot of people. Yeah. I've had friends get get angry at me and vehemently disagree with me when I brought up this <laughs> this topic, you know, just over the just over a few beers because they did they just can't see the possibility of, of some of these jobs being uh, uh, yeah. displaced by... So do you, do you suppose... I mean, I, I, I say we stay tuned and find out. that I think right. both of you may be overselling the total impact, but we'll see. I hope... I, actually, part of me hopes you're kind of right because I think those revolutions usually t- uh, tend to do better things down the road. But uh, you did touch on the business just for a second, Ryan. It's been kicking around in the back of my head. On a high level, uh, if this bot revolution takes off and the bots are the future... Uh, where does a project like Mycroft fit in on the on the business end of that? Are you taking care of? Are you guys in it? Is there a, is there a, is there a path to some sort of financial stability for a long haul operation? Yeah, I think I think uh, there are. I think Mycroft is on a good path, and I think that there are other um, similar projects and similar businesses that are are on a good path to to really make out like bandits from hmm. from this. I think that. Uh, there are going to be there's going to be some interesting news. Uh, I I would I would tell you to watch uh, watch my and my and some of my contacts uh, social media profiles going forward to see to see what <laughs> what might be coming down the pike. But hmm. that's a plug for myself, I guess. But <laughs> there's. Yeah. But there, I think that there are enormous, enormous mm. opportunities uh, in the space that we're talking about right now, like this this bot revolution and the and the things that are going to be possible as a Gosh, result. Gosh, you know, there's so much I feel like we could talk about. We could go for another two hours because, or another hour at least, because you know the thing is, is like it fundamentally changes the way you think of designing UI. Right, that all shifts now when when it's conversational based and it's text and base reply or voice. Like, oh, there's so much, there's so much that's going to change if this takes off. Even if it just takes off as additional as an additional interaction paradigm that just becomes and super so, common. And someone said, uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, right now we're in the we're in the 
same stage as when, you know, for these type of interactions, for what you, the user experience, the UX, for these conversations as when we were just getting the GUI, you know, mm. and someone was yeah. like, someone was like, oh, we should provide some kind of feedback when things are loading, like an hourglass or something, right. you know? Yeah, like, wow. We're in that same stage where people are coming up with those type of fundamental ideas about how this interaction looks. Yeah, and, very Xerox parky. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's a super exciting time for for this technology because of that, like, because people are like, oh, is it is it good for the bot to say, hmm, you know, when it's taking a moment to look something up? Like, Let hmm. me think about that. You know, things like that, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And what what's actually a good paradigm? The conversation we have all the time at, at uh, Mycroft is tone or speech. Like, do we make a tone go off, like ding, you know, or yeah. something like that, or do we do we make it say something? And the and we are trying to gather inf- data on that. Like, what do people actually prefer? What what do people? What are people's responses to those type of things? And I think that that there's just going to be so much here that that we're just at the very edge of right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I I love that you brought up the UX side of that because people are going to be thinking about that mm-hmm. and think what these interactions look like and uh and it's a and you you've seen this like big ux um focus in the linux community and in the open source community recently that wasn't there for the longest time mm-hmm. you know i wonder i wonder what we're going to see out of the the linux and open source community when it comes to this type of thing like mm-hmm. inter- integrating this technology with you know like uh open source desktop or whatever like right what just I, build it right it in because why not it's not like you have to go out and pay some multi-million dollar license or something to get the mycroft technology built into a desktop environment or a or a mobile phone from canonical or something like that right and and then <laughs> there's just so much and like you you aptly explained it when you said we could talk about this for two hours because we could we could talk about this for days <laughs> like at the, but the but i i really think that uh, especially on this show, people in the in the audience should feel encouraged to go and check out this technology because if they're if they're listening to this show and they're looking for opportunities to make money, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to have a great career, like that's that's where to look and uh, <laughs> and I think that there are I'll I'll share some resources with you following the show that you can put in the show notes that okay. that I think they'll be able to use APIs and. Uh, and then, of course, Michael, I'm sure, has some, too. And I'd love to just see see what the community, the Jupiter Broadcasting community, comes up with. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, that will be very interesting. Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we should cover this week? No, I'd just like to thank Ryan for taking yeah. the time and uh, just ask one favor. When you do add the Terminator Model 3 skill into Minecraft, <laughs> uh, make sure to throw in an exception for me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. That's good. That's good. That's good. I would say, Ryan, um, I secretly use Arch Linux. Would you tell us where fans or interested parties or those that want to help or people that are just curious can follow you or maybe Minecraft on Twitter? Sure. Uh, you can follow me at Ryan Lee Sipes, R-Y-A-N-L-E-E-S-I-P-E-S. And you can follow Mycroft at Mycroft underscore AI. Very nice. And, uh, 
you can look there for some exciting news here in the near future. Okay. Whoa. Whoa, That's a bit of a tease right there, right as we're wrapping up. Look at that pro level. All right. Well, we'd love to have you join us live next week. Dear audience, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find out our broadcast time. It's noon Pacific. You watch it at jblive.tv. You listen to it at jblive.fm. And you subscribe by going to jupiterbroadcasting.com, finding any episode of Coda Radio, and look for the RSS feed right there in the show notes. Also, you can email us. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com com slash contact choose coda radio from the drop down and last but absolutely not least check out the subreddit coderadio.reddit.com input for topics into the show discussions like around the coding challenges all that can be had over there at that subreddit thanks for joining us on this week's episode of coda radio and we'll see you right back here next week Mm -hmm.